You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hi there, welcome to the show. It is Monday, the 9th of May, recording this podcast. Uh, just before the turn of midnight, Louisville Airport en route to Chicago and then home to Heathrow. Um, by the time you read this, you'll have had enough time, sufficient time, to digest what was an extraordinary running of the Kentucky Derby. The 148th run for the Roses was won by Rich Strike, thrusting trainer Eric Reed and jockey Sonny Leone into the public consciousness. Two people that barely any of us had ever heard of before the horse only drew into the race uh, on the eve of it having been on the also eligibles list ethereal road was the horse that was taken out um, but notwithstanding the fact there was a massive meltdown on the front end here as i welcome in matt bernier nbc analyst um how on earth did that happen well you know th- there were a handful of folks that looked at the race and said there could be a pretty spirited pace, which would be sort of the the opposite of what we've seen in the point system era of the Kentucky Derby. And in fact, that's exactly what happened. The opening quarter of 21 and three, you know, when you think about it from a U.S. racing standpoint, that 21 and three fifth seconds is on par with some of the, the faster sprint races that you see a Breeders' Cup sprint caliber uh, race. For them to do that at a mile and a quarter with three-year-olds in the Kentucky Derby kind of set the tone. The half mile and 45 and one, certainly one of the faster ones we've seen in recent memory. And to no one's real surprise, when you take a look at a race that sets up that way, of the top seven finishers, there were only two that were inside the top 10 of the field half mile into the run. So it kind of, typically those sort of flows to races can lend themselves to bizarre results. But I will say, if you were looking for a horse to come from off the pace in this race to win, if this pace scenario played out the way that it did, you would have thought it would have been Zandon or a Mo Donegal, or even knowing how far back Epicenter would have been early, you would have thought it could have been him. I don't know anyone that thought it would have been Rich Strike. I mean, to what extent do you think the jockeys are some of those horses that you mentioned are in some way culpable? Which of them do you think will be looking back at the race today and grimacing and thinking, I've just got this dead wrong. Well, I, I, frankly, I don't know that you can really pinpoint any one because we've seen, again, it, ever since the point system has been implemented, horses that are forwardly placed have the upper hand and by no means have there. Some of the paces we've seen recently have not been slow. You know, they've been going out there at an honest clip. It's just typically the best horses have been the ones that have been out there cutting out the fractions and they've been able to finish just as well as some of the closers, the, the horses coming from off the pace in this year's race, you had the two foreign horses come over and set effectively sprint fractions, which we have not seen since the likes of a Trinneberg go back to when I'll have another ended up running down Bodie Meister. Bodie Meister was up there outfooted Trinneberg. They went an unbelievable pace early and that was enough for Bodie Meister not to be able to get the job done and I'll have another to run them down. We haven't seen a pace like that really since a race like that. Or think of Palace Malice's derby where he went out there with the blinkers on, set a wicked pace, and we saw Orb rally from well off of it. 
I don't know that we would be stunned or talking so much about the dynamics of the race had one of the top two or three choices got the job done. But because we had an unbelievable ride from Sonny Leone and Rich Strike, this horse that, I mean, if we're being honest, it's difficult to pinpoint one thing that you would look at and say, this is why this horse is a legitimate threat to win the run for the roses. I mean, he had a career best buyer speed figure, which is the the main figure that we use to measure a, a horse's ability here in the United States. He had a career best figure of 84, but that came on synthetic. His best dirt figure to date was a 65 in his career, in his first victory. It, it came in a maiden claiming race in September of last year. So it, it's just, it's hard to really comprehend just how improbable this result truly is. I, I brought it up to some of the nurses at the hospital that I, I suppose the only thing I can really bring it up, and, and this makes it sound sort of in a negative light, but this horse effectively to me could be an amateur winning the U.S. Open for golf or an amateur winning the Open Championship over in Europe, just simply because they were so much slower than all of the main players. And the main players went out and ran. Epicenter ran a tremendous race. Zandon had every opportunity. And Rich Strike at 80 to 1 gets it done. Well, here he is, the man who was not exactly a household name 48 hours ago, but most certainly is now, watched by nearly 17 million people on NBC Sports as well. Eric Reed, Kentucky Derby winner. Eric, I mean, everyone's still in a state of in a state of shock. We're asking the question, how did this happen? How do you feel 24 hours on from, from what must surely be the most extraordinary moment in your life? Oh my gosh, it's, uh, it's so uh, unbelievable. It's been an emotional roller coaster from the beginning to even getting in the race, let alone uh, going over there and watching him win. So it's been a fantastic experience. And, and just, just in your own mind, how do you think this this happened? How did the horse move forward so so dramatically, even though he was granted a perfect setup? Yeah, everything worked out right for him, but but he had shown a fondness for that racetrack the only time he ran on it before, and he um, he had matured so much over his last three races. Uh, he, he just kind of came to himself at the right time, and that's what it takes to win these races. It's uh, it's the best horse on that day, and he had gotten so good two or three weeks before the race that I, I just knew... I didn't know I would win, but I knew in my heart, I've been around too long to say I knew I would win, but I knew in my heart he would not disappoint. And I just needed to, uh, I needed to, to get those points to get him in. Yeah, just, just talk me through those last 48 hours, you know, going into the race with all the, the toing and froing and wondering whether you were going to get a run and then when you did find out you were going to get one. Oh, yeah, I mean, we were, uh, you know, we were counting down the hours to 9 o'clock Friday morning, which was the deadline to get in the race. and uh, Very nerve-wracking. Uh, we kept training on as if we were in because we didn't want to not be prepared in case the miracle happened. And, uh, you know, quarter to 9, they told us actually that we were out. They called the security guard to leave the barn. Um, I called the owner. I called the jockey. I called my father and said, uh, we didn't make it in, guys. I'm sorry. And I went into the barn, told the crew, and I said, keep our heads up. We're going to go to New York next week and try the Peter Pan. And, uh, you know, we'll go to the Belmont from that. And if everything works out right, you know, they'll all know we were here. But, um, um, you know, the rest is history. He got in and he's now the Derby winner. He, he is the Derby winner. Of course he is. Uh, and 
I said yesterday you've experienced the, the absolute rock bottom in this game when you lost the, the horses in the in the barn fire in, in 2016 and, and now the the ultimate high uh, that must have been very much in the forefront of your mind yesterday wasn't it it was it was um, it, 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 you know the yesterday is almost like a blur um, it went by and things happened so fast that um, today I'm still trying to really of what happened and people are telling me stories and things that went on and um, it's uh, <laughs> it's all kind of starting to piece itself back together to me now I knew I liked my horse all along I just didn't I didn't know about the man I was just hoping that we got a good performance and um, been a long road to get there and gosh it turned out a lot different than we thought it has been a long road, and the, but the road now is going to be a, an even more intriguing one. Um, when do you when do you roll on up to to Baltimore? Well, we're gonna we're, we've never ran this horse uh, in two weeks, so I'm gonna watch him train the next three or four days and see just how much this race took out of him, and we'll probably head up to Baltimore on Saturday or Sunday if everything goes right and train the week up to the Preakness. You wouldn't think he'd ever get a setup like that again, but. He's clearly an improving horse. Do you think he, he can be competitive in, in, in the next couple of legs of the Triple Crown? I think the Belmont, he would be the, that would be our best race of all. Uh, the Preakness um, is shortening up in distance. The turns are a little tighter. Uh, but there'll be less horses to travel through. So if he improves a little bit mentally and he's able to get a little quicker, then um, he would definitely be competitive. He's going to move forward off this race just like he's moved forward off the last three races. But uh, it'll be a much harder race to Preakness than the Derby just because of the distance, the shorter stretch. Um, but the Belmont Stakes, I think, will fall right back into his lap as, as probably his best chance of any of these races. So, um, Just a word for the, for the winning rider, Sonny Leone. He's got almost no experience in this sort of company, let alone a, a race like this. Why did you entrust him with a ride on this horse and the, and the journey he's taken you on? What was it you liked about him? I've ridden Sonny for the last two years, and he's as good a rider as I've ever ridden. He just chooses to ride at a different circuit, at a different level. He's a family man. He doesn't want to travel from track to track to track and move all over the country. Um, he's happy to be the leading rider at the tracks that he's at, and um, he's, a, he's a humble person. So, But he knew his horse, and Sonny's a great rider. He's as good as any rider that's out there, and if he went to those tracks with the right agent, he could ride. Well, yesterday, he showed everybody he can ride and, and do just as good or better. So I knew the rider was there, and he knew the horse, the horse knew him, and uh, he was the perfect rider for that horse. And Eric Groom, Jerry Dixon Jr., has been quite rightly the subject of an awful lot of attention. Just tell me a little bit about the the relationship you have with with him and how important he is to you. Well, he's he's been working for me uh, for quite a while, and he's a fine young man. He slept beside the horse. Uh, he loves that horse to death, and he cried and cried after the race. And he is so humble and so shy. Um, I'm so proud of him for getting the opportunity to even get a horse to the Derby and uh, to get him to to be taking care of the horse that's actually called the Kentucky Derby winner now. I, I feel like I've, I've changed his life forever and not, not myself, but Richie. Um, he's changed all of our lives forever.
Uh, Eric, thanks so much for talking to me. I uh, look forward to seeing you again in, in Maryland in a couple of weeks. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. <laughs> Eric Reed there. Well, well, Matt Vanier. It's, it's just almost impossible to to give this some sort of of context, really, in terms of a human interest story. Yeah, and I don't even know a, a good comparable scenario as far as European connections are concerned to win a race, you know, like the Derby or even the, the Arc de Triomphe. I mean, th- this is genuinely the sort of, I don't want to call it rags to riches story because I feel like it's a little bit overplayed in horse racing. But, um, I mean, this is, you know, this is David versus Goliath. There, there were a number of horses in this race that were cut out from the moment they were foaled. They were supposed to be Derby winners, and and I don't think anyone thought that of Rich Strike. Again, it was brought up on the broadcast that that all of you were on for NBC in the states. I mean, you could have had this horse for thirty thousand dollars in September of last year, and for him to go from that point to winning the biggest race that there is in the United States for three-year-olds, uh, and arguably one of the biggest races in the world, is truly a stunning, stunning result. And again, it's it's very difficult to comprehend, but I think. To put things into perspective a little bit, this horse will not be the favorite in the Preakness in two weeks, uh, regardless of who shows up. And it doesn't sound like a ton of the Derby contenders are going to be going to Baltimore. But even with that in mind, Rich Strike will not be the favorite in the Preakness in two weeks, which is a little bit crazy because more often than not, the Derby winner is a, a prohibitive favorite in Baltimore. I mean, I put it to somebody today, half jokingly, that it would be more of a surprise if this horse won the Preakness than it was that he won the Derby, even though he'll be a tenth of the price because you just can't see a setup like that. You just cannot see a setup like that happening again. We know that in Kentucky Derbys, you can get some kind of wacky pace meltdown. It has been seen before. That's not going to happen in, in Baltimore, is it? He's got no chance, has he? Or has he? I, 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 I can't imagine a similar scenario playing out. And even if the pace is on the more spirited side, it's not going to be the, the suicidal numbers that we saw in, in Louisville on Saturday. I mean, again, just perspective, 21 and three would be the sort of fractions for an opening quarter mile that we would see in a Breeders' Cup sprint, not a mile and a quarter Kentucky Derby for three-year-olds. The half mile in 45 and one, three quarters and 10 and one, we've seen numbers relatively close to that in the past, but the, the early fractions took their toll. There's no two ways around it. Everything's set up beautifully for all the horses that came from off the pace, I think, again, just this, the, the stunning aspect of this is that if you asked someone before the race and told them, look, this is how it's going to unfold, I, realistically, I, I don't think you would have found you know, more than, than four or five people that would have said, Rich Strike is the one that's going to take advantage of them all. And by the way, he's going to get a Hall of Fame ride from Sonny Leone with a race littered with Hall of Famers and future Hall of Famers. I mean, it was... A really remarkable event. And, you know, I tweeted it late on Saturday night, the idea that two of the more improbable results in in recent racing history have happened in a matter of two and a half to three months between this result with Rich Strike and Emblem Road in the Saudi Cup. I mean, just truly remarkable, remarkable events. And, and all you can sit there and say is that's why they run the race. I mean, who who else emerges with with real credit from this? I mean, all things considered, Epicenter ran a tremendous race, and people pointed it out on social media. Steve Asmussen, it's such an unfortunate situation. Again, tip of the cap to everyone involved with Rich Strike, but for Epicenter to run the way that he did and for Asmussen to lose in this fashion to a horse that on paper 
probably should have been closer to 200 to one, never mind 80 to one that he went off at. Uh, you have to feel a little bit snake bit. I think he's probably proven himself to be the best of the lot to this point. Uh, Zandon, I thought, ran a, a very admirable race. But if we're being honest, he had no excuse as far as the victory is concerned. But put that aside, he couldn't pass Epicenter for second. That that says all you need to know, I believe. I think Epicenter is just a better horse. Uh, Simplification ran a fantastic race coming out of the Florida Derby. I, I was a little bit dubious of him and the, the overall form of South Florida Gulfstream Park over the winter. And he ran a, a truly commendable race. Um, but truth be told, all the horses that you would expect to close had everything go the way they needed it to go. And the one that got it done was probably last on that list of, of potential upsetters and rich strikes. So it's difficult for me to sit here and say there's any real excuse for Zandon or, or Mo Donegal or any of them. And, and to be fair, I'd have to go back and watch the tape a few more times, but the closers had every opportunity they possibly could ask for. And, and one of the more improbable, I believe the second longest shot in Derby history was the one who came out on top. And it just, I guess if nothing else, it sets up a fascinating preakness because if there was any question before, and I don't know if it's been officially reported or not, uh, if there was any question before about the Philly secret oath running in the Preakness, I would think the result on Saturday in the Kentucky Derby all but sealed her fate that she will be running in the Preakness. And I think based on that effort in the Oaks, I, I would assume she has as good a chance as anyone to get the job done. And Matt, how big a story was Wayne Lucas and secret oath winning the Kentucky Oaks? Of course, he he sort of ties in all these storylines because he pulled Ethereal Road out of the, the Derby to allow, to allow um, the winner, Rich Strike, in. I mean, she was fantastic. And, you know, many handicappers pointed out something that perhaps I am guilty of overlooking a little bit. Um, you know, someone pulled, raised the question to me. Had she gone in the fantasy, which was Oaklawn Park's final prep race for the Phillies leading into the Kentucky Oaks, as opposed to running against the boys in the Arkansas Derby. Had she run in the fantasy and won by 10 lengths, would she have been four and a half to one in the Kentucky Oaks? And the answer is probably not. Uh, she had always shown the talent that would suggest she was an Oaks contender. My concern was distance, frankly. I, I wasn't totally convinced that she'd be able to get a mile and an eighth as, as stoutly as some of the other main players in here, most notably Nest with the way that she won at, at Keeneland in the Ashland. But for Secret Oath to carry the ground that she did. Um, I'm not someone who typically looks at jockey changes and thinks they're the end-all be-all, but Luis Saez pushed all the buttons correctly, and it was a giant effort from Secret Oath. And, you know, to your point, Nick, for, for Wayne Lucas to be able to still be as good as he is all these years after his career began um, just speaks volumes about the man. And, and I saw someone on social media, and I apologize for not giving credit where credit's due, um, a video of of Lucas and Todd Pletcher uh, sort of embracing after the race. And Pletcher obviously trained Nest, who went off as the two-to-one favorite. Um, you know, she was a little bit unfortunate with the way the trip played out. But all things considered, I think even if you gave Nest a clear run, um, I don't know that she would have been able to run down Secret Oath. So it was interesting to see sort of the, the mentor and the mentee, or the uh, protege rather, sort of embrace following uh, a, a great result like this. And again, you know, Lucas had alluded to the fact that if she runs well in the Oaks, who knows, maybe she'll run in the Preakness. He was very non-committal post-race when you chatted with him. But um, I think if there were any questions, Saturday's result in the Derby would, would sort of squash those, wouldn't they? I, I can't imagine her not running in the Preakness now. 
Matt Bernier there with his look back on the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Oaks. Extraordinary drama where you could see the winners, winners meet one another in the Preakness. Now, that wasn't all that was going on over the weekend. Important Derby trials. Aidan O'Brien took yet another one. Uh, what used to be called the Derringstown at uh, Leopardstown. Uh, with a, a very impressive winner in Stone Age. That was his fourth derby trial within a week, but it came on the day that he announced that Luxembourg would be a non-runner in the race due to a muscular issue. Um, Jane Mangan is with me now. Jane, you've seen all four derby trials that won by Aidan O'Brien this week. Um, how impressed were you by Stone Age at Leopardstown yesterday? This was very impressive. It looked like the field were going to get to him off the bend, and if anybody's been at Leopardstown, you know how tough that final two furlongs is. So for him to battle and stretch the way he did on his own when Ryan asked him to go, he left decent horses, French Claim and Co for dead, and that was, for me, uh, a proof that the going further, going up to a mile and a half will really, really suit him. So I suppose everybody's talking now about the omission of Luxembourg and how disappointing that is. And yes, it is. It takes away from the Epsom Derby, that real class in his form. But does it blow it wide open? Absolutely. Now we have a race where any horse could win. You have these derby trials. People were saying last week after the Guineas that Aidan O'Brien was gone and that Godolphin would take over. And then after a few short days, here we are, a whitewash in the derby, case of picking which one. And, and if it's all um, luster and glory for one operation, then it's going to be inevitably a slightly disappointing week for one or two others. There'll be a few, there'll be a few stables licking their wounds as regards derby hopefuls now. I mean, not least uh, Godolphin. They had a day are beaten at Lingfield and he came out and won the derby. They had a horse beaten um, by the United Nations yesterday. I was disappointed with uh, New London at Chester where William Bowie came in suggesting the horse is just not streetwise enough for that track and needed to sharpen up and maybe he will. But are those horses worth going to Epsom with? Charlie can make that decision but they got put in their place by Aidan O'Brien and a lot of people down through the years have Nick these Galileos come to the fore and my god did he have a record breaking couple of days um, um, so it's almost as if it's business as usual yes it's also disappointing that the news came out earlier in the week that Reach for the Moon John Gosden's horse for the Queen wouldn't make the Derby and that definitely took a little bit from the race as well but this is still Epsom we're building up to one of the biggest races of the year just after one of the biggest races of the year Drew up one of the biggest shocks. Well, exactly that, exactly that. I, I just before we put the Derby chat to bed for a moment, I just, just listening back to that press conference that we, we heard a few moments ago with with Aidan O'Brien, he he sounded he sounded pretty peeved really that that Luxembourg wasn't going to make it to the Derby. It did make me wonder just how far ahead of the of the posse they believed he was, even though we've doubtless seen impressive performances this week. I suppose it's no secret that there was chat of a triple crown attempt with, with Luxembourg and it's now off the table. And when you consider how close his sire came to doing that, he basically did do that. Um, those horses don't come around very often. But let's hope it's nothing serious. It sounds like it's a muscular issue mm. that he can redeem himself and come back in some of the biggest races through the middle and back end of the summer and prove how good he is because we saw that as a juvenile I thought he did miraculously well from what happened at the start to not travelling through the middle of the Guineas, not really handling the rolling well at Newmarket, to actually finish as close as he did in third. But again, that's just conjecture. He needs to go and do it when he comes back. And just a, a point of human interest, I mean, uh, the, the Westerberg colours have been carried by Luxembourg. That's George von Opel's breeding operation. He's now a part of the, 
of the Coolmore operation or has been sort of brought into it uh, to invest in that. Uh, also by um, Horses at Chester earlier in the week, uh, by Tenebrism in the Guineas, of course, as well. Um, we saw Peter Brandt's colours to success, uh, carry to success by uh, Aidan's Horse Stone Age today, as you mentioned in the Derby trial. You know, quite important that some other big, significant investors are, are having their colours carried to success, it seems, at the moment. Yeah, so they're major owner breeder operations. We saw that with Thoughts of June and Moigler winning the Cheshire Oaks as well, and of course Bonanza Creek being out of, uh, or sorry, Stone Age being out of Bonanza Creek. Um, that's uh, Peter Brandt's own broodmare as well. So those, you know, big owner breeders, they come into the game, they breed class horses, and it's only natural that uh, a team like Coolmore will want to team up with them as well. But yeah, Westerberg seemed to be coming a major force in the flat game, and it will be extremely disappointing that their colours won't be carried by Luxembourg but maybe they will be carrying the winning colours anyway because as I said go back to changing of the guard look at what he did to decent horses at Chester he absolutely destroyed them and if he keeps stepping forward like that if you saw him in the flesh he really is an impressive looking horse so hopefully all the rest of the players remain standing and actually make it to Epsom in a couple of weeks time I know you really enjoyed yourself at Chester did you enjoy watching the Kentucky Derby last night what did you think of it? I think if you run the first half mile in 45.3 seconds, you're going to have a shock. <laughs> and I was shocked. I, I the, the biggest shock to me was that the winner returned something like 80 to 1. I'd have had another zero on the back of that. But it does create a great story and it does create belief that it can be done. And that, for the game as a whole, must be a positive. Well, to round off this show, I, I do normally ask the guests for a tip this afternoon but given the slightly unusual circumstances I think I can give Jane Mangan a completely free hand so Jane you have the last word but the last word can be manifest however you like I'll be honest I haven't really studied the card for the day ahead but having watched Thoughts of June impress and beat above the curve at Chester I still go back to Tuesday's run in the Guineas and think if anything is going to beat Tuesday it's going to be the eventual winner the Galileos at the classic trip are just so hard to get by so if I'm going to go for an anti-post bet it's not going to be the Derby but the Oaks and it's going to be Tuesday so it's Tuesday for Jane on a Monday we'll see you again tomorrow my thanks to Matt and to Jane and of course to Eric Reed. what a story bye bye You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.